I was thinking about our text this, this week and curious, you know, if you've ever been in those really large spaces where you don't know where your people are, um, maybe at a party or at one of those really awkward extended family functions or coming in late to a theater in the dark and not knowing where your people are, maybe in a really massive concert crowd, you get the picture, right? Or maybe on a larger scale, what we've experienced in needing to find our people, if you will, during seasons of social or political unrest, a pandemic, or just the ongoing interrogation of the faith that was handed to us, if you will. And there's that moment where anxiety begins to kind of creep up and you start looking for the familiar. You want to find and seek your people. As I sat with today's text, I thought about those moments and seasons of looking for my people and what it does to my body when I find my people or my person. I'm no expert in this. I'm sure some of us in this room could share a little bit more about that. We're not going to get into the scientific like explanation of this, but it does connect with our text this morning. And I think in those moments that you find yourself in those positions, hearing a familiar voice can bring about ease. It, it makes what might otherwise be unpleasant or painful or intense become less severe. Gradually, we enter a space then that requires a different kind of energy, maybe, maybe less effort or at least what feels less difficult in those instances. In many ways, I see this as who we are or where we're headed together. We've spent time paying attention to the fluidity of our identities, seeing Jesus embody love in a way that proclaims that all belong. And while the work is never really done, over the years we've also lamented and composted some of the trauma that we've endured, either individually or communally. And we have found one another, and we have grown in connection to those who are our people, if you will, not just those among who call Trinity home, right? And now we have turned to the work of what I'm going to call planting in this season that leads us up through Pentecost. During our culture building work with Alyssa, we've been introduced through some conversation to practices that so far have centered the topics of rest and dreaming and will expand into other topics here in the coming weeks. But what I see is that the seeds of possibility are being sown as we do this work together. And while we each have our own work to do and to attend to, life in the spirit is really no lone venture, if you will. I am quite aware that sometimes community is hard to find, and sometimes it changes so much so that it's no longer identifiable. And that reality can leave us tempted to live as if we're on some lone venture. But I hope that in this season, we can see that we are called to something more beautiful. That together we sow new seeds of possibility and trust that the Spirit is doing good work in and through us. That we can build a culture of ease. This culture of ease is a way of being that fosters belonging. 
where we in all of our wandering and wondering can discover and embody the love of Jesus. And while it's so very personal, this love is not independent or isolating. Today we're going to jump back in the book of John and we're going to cover a text that we did not cover in our Queering Identity and Composting series and it is actually the lectionary text for today and so folks all over the world are looking at this particular scripture. We're going to turn back to chapter 10 in the book of John and I am actually going to be reading today from the NRSV, not the First Nations version. No particular reason. Uh, Before I read, though, we're just going to look at verses 1 through 10, but I want to give us a little bit of context. I want to remind us that back in chapter 9, Jesus restored to community a man who had been born blind. And this was done on the day of resting. And so because it was done on the day of resting, this man was brought before the Pharisees, or as the First Nations version calls it, the separated ones, to provide a bit of testimony Unwaveringly, this man effectively states that Jesus is who he says he is. In other words, he is from the great spirit, he is from God, and he is the Christ. This, of course, infuriates the religious leaders, and so they ban the man from the gathering house, that very place to which he had been restored to. And so Jesus goes to see about him, if you will, and he asks that he put his trust in the true human being the one who shows the fullness of life. I will just say that there is a use of blindness here in the text that is meant as a metaphor for what people could or could not see with their hearts. So I want to focus on what we can see with our hearts, if you will. And he says that those who think that they can see actually cannot. Rather, they have been leading people astray or down a false path to a bad end. And in claiming to see this good road while leading people astray, their guilt actually remains. So then he continues by sharing today's text, and it's a parable-like story. And he utilizes a common picture, that of shepherding, which is accessible not only to the ordinary person, but to those who are leading and believe that they are most wise. So addressing the tribal leaders, he begins with a double amen. And in scripture, this is often translated in our text as very truly. It is a way to strongly affirm that what is going to be said is true. Okay, so verses 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers." Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep will not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it 
abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. All right. I know that sheep get a bad rep because they're often seen as, you know, lacking intelligence. But if we're honest, we're kind of like sheep, somewhat. Even the most extroverted of us will gravitate toward the familiar, right? We're social creatures. We're built for community. It's natural. Now, I can't say I've ever really actually studied sheep in any depth, but in my digging this week, I found it quite interesting the degree to which sheep are social and they will actually follow their flocking instinct. When one moves, the rest will follow, even if it leads to a bad end, okay? I was reading somewhere where this, like, herd of sheep, like, one went off a cliff and they all followed and it, like, killed, like, 400 of them, okay? Like, that's, like, pretty extreme, okay? And this is the idea. This is, this is what Jesus is confronting with the religious leaders as he tells this story, this kind of picture. The Pharisees have basically been saying that they know the ways of God, and so Jesus is confronting that with this story of the sheep, the sheep who actually know the voice, that familiar voice of God. The Pharisees have not been acting out of ease. They have rather added to the voices that confuse and lead astray. Also, sometimes huddling together, we, like sheep, want to be safe and cared for. Of course, this is totally natural as well. Even Jesus prayed back in John chapter 17 that we would be watched over with loving care, the loving care of God, that we would be safe and cared for. And in verse 9 of today's text, Jesus says, I am the gate, whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. To be sustained, we have to be willing to go in and go out through the gate to find nourishment, to grow and to become, and then return to a sense of home. And just like for sheep, I find it quite ironic that going out where the food is can also present some danger. Danger that is maybe composted or more internally metabolized, which then returns to the ground, nourishing opportunity for what's next as we sow again and again in the Spirit together. Apparently, while grazing, sheep need to see one another, so much so that ensuring visual contact with other sheep prevents stress. In other words, it creates ease. In our work with Alyssa, we have been learning how to resonate with or to see one another, all of which prepares us to flow in and out, to find nourishment and confront what threatens or what is not quite right in the world. When sheep feel threatened, their one defense is to huddle together and to run away. Interestingly, uh, once that instinct kicks in, uh, apparently the only way a shepherd can get a sheep to go anywhere is to do so gently walking ahead. Put to ease, the, the sheep will respond to a voice or even words that they recognize. And at ease, they put their trust in the shepherd. 
Now, I'm sure many of us have heard this particular text used to comment on the extreme instances of God speaking to us, right? And while I have had a few of those moments where I feel strongly that God has spoken to me, I know that this is not everyone's experience. But it also got me wondering that if maybe sometimes we might overcomplicate or think that it only happens in extraordinary ways. And then I thought maybe we can actually acknowledge that we have an easier time identifying what is not of God. And if we keep reading, we'll get, we would get to verse 13 here in our text for today, which speaks of differentiating between true shepherds as actually a matter of the heart. Those who are not true shepherds care only for themselves. And I think we all can identify those voices, if not in the very moment that we hear them after some time or deeper reflection. And so I want to encourage us that tapping into our, what our bodies know in these particular situations can actually shape our receptivity to what is of God. And so this morning, I would like us to engage in a bit of an exercise following the same format that Alyssa has provided for us in the past couple of weeks. And I want us to pause and reflect on a couple of questions. I'm going to give us time. You're, you're welcome to, to switch seats, if you will, so you're not by yourself um, and that you will have a moment to reflect together on these questions um, after you have time to yourself. And then we're going to circle up as we have done the last couple of weeks and reflect to one another and, um, and share a, a moment, okay? So the questions are this. As you sit kind of with that image, if you need to, of maybe being in a large place, in an unfamiliar space, needing to find your people, whatever helps you get yourself into that sort of framework, what does familiarity sound like? And what does a familiar voice do in your body? Pay attention to that. So what does a familiar voice sound like to you, and what does it do in your body when you hear a familiar voice? I'm going to give you three to five minutes, uh, and then we're going to transition into small group discussion, okay, for another few minutes, all right?
right, I'm gonna ask that you take a few minutes and just have some conversation within your small group um, or join a small small group here.
All right. I'm going to have you all go ahead and kind of circle up here, and we're going to do what we've been doing with Alyssa. And uh, any, anyone who's brave enough, um, hopefully, this isn't a hard topic here. Uh, I mean, they're definitely hard, uh, familiar voices. We, we had a discussion at our table that that doesn't mean, familiar doesn't always mean easy. <laughs> um, and so anyway, if you want to go ahead and stand, and we're going to circle up. Um, if, anyone, if you all from the back want to kind of move a little bit closer, that might be great. Um, and then if you want to just share any of your reflections, and then as we're listening, um, when the person's done sharing, you're going to go ahead um, and just all open up the space for anyone to resonate back um, if there's something that, that caught their attention, and we can all kind of chime in at that point. So does anybody have anything they want to share? John will share something. I'm going to come closer so the people on Zoom can hear you. So I actually went kind of two different directions with this, but where we kind of landed at the end of our conversation um, was something that I always found sort of interesting and not really ever been able to kind of put my finger on why I felt that way. But, um, you know, while I'm an introvert and enjoy doing things by myself, uh, things like going to the movies or a concert or a musical or something like that is something I want to do with someone uh, and because of that sort of shared experience. So even though like I might go to a, a movie, you're going to sit there in silence and not actually talk to the person. There's something about having that experience with someone that brings comfort and enhances the experience of it by having that sort of companionship. Um, and I've always found it strange. I have friends that will gladly go to a movie by themselves, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. But it always seems weird because I feel like, based on my personality, I should want to do that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I actually would prefer to share that experience with someone, even if it's in silence. It brings that comfort and enhances the enjoyment of the mm. experience. Right. Any wor word or phrase resonate with anyone? Shared, yeah, shared. Yeah. We used a bit of a different word in our group. Um, the word connection kind of stood out, which is the same thing as shared, but something happens like in us, there's a connection that's somehow formed um, in that moment, so yeah. thank you. Anybody else? You'll share, Anna will share. In a hill. We talked about, we had some, some similar and some really different thoughts, but we talked about in our group, my first thought was, well, it depends on who the person right. is. Right. If it's somebody I don't like, <laughs> then I don't care if it's a familiar voice. I don't necessarily want it. <laughs> says, I think, a lot about me, um, that I would rather be alone. <laughs> um, but, like, kind of this twofold thing of sometimes when you hear the familiar voice, there's, like, immediate comfort, and then also immediate second guessing of like, am I stuck with them? Are they stuck with me? What does that do? But like, but at the end it is still an initial feeling of comfort and like grounding maybe. Mm. We didn't use that word, but that's kind of the word I thought about mm. when we were done of mm. like, you feel a little grounded and then, mm -hmm. then you know that second wave of anxiousness comes in. <laughs> Any word or phrase resonate? Grounded. Stuck. 
grounded and stuck. Anyone else? Albert's going to share. Oh, sorry. oh, yeah, go ahead, Sarah. Oh, yeah. Resonating. Yeah, resonate. Yeah, the, the grounding and but also the second guessing. Mm. So, like, the, the kind of back and forth and trying to. Yes. Yeah. Back and forth, yeah. Yeah, the back and forth, the, the questioning, yeah. Thanks, Sarah. Um. So the scenario I pictured is sort of the scenario where like I have arrived at a place with a large group of people and I'm hoping to find someone that <laughs> is familiar. Um, and I feel like as someone who sort of uh, leans extrovert, when I'm hoping to see someone that's familiar, I'm constantly in scanning mode, mm -hmm. which I think uh, even though I'm looking for someone, I, I end up having a very active internal monologue of like, where might I go? What do I do next? Where can I find a person that's familiar? And then when I find the person that is familiar, it's, it helps me be more present and sort of takes mm. me out of my head, sort of calms that internal monologue. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's mm. kind of it. Any word or phrase resonate? Scanning, yeah. Internal monologue. <laughs> yeah. I think presence, like to be present then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you all for sharing. Let me, we're going to sit back down, or I'm going to stand, but go wherever you want. You can stand if you want to. It's fine. Um, yeah. I think too, as I was thinking about this text and sitting with my own feeling of what it, what it means to hear a familiar voice, particularly a positive one, one that I want to associate, associate with, you know, um, there's something about being um, acknowledged and known uh, in that. Um, and as we look at verse three of our text, Jesus says that the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. But then Jesus says this, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And in verse 11, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. And so the one who shares his true self with the world sees and knows our true selves, acknowledges who we are, and we are called by name. And if you think about being called by name, it, it helps you to, to feel acknowledged, your presence to be acknowledged, to, and that you feel known, right, when someone knows your name. When we're called by name, it can put us to ease. It can lead toward life, toward an abundant life, one of beauty and harmony. And that doesn't mean that we won't face hard things or that we can't hold a multitude at once. As I thought about this, I was reminded of a poem by Vietnamese activist and Buddhist teacher Thich Nhat Hanh, and I want to read it for us as we close. I'm going to read it twice and just let it uh, do whatever work it needs to do in and among us here. Please call me by my true names so I can hear all my cries and laughter at once so I can see that my joy and pain are one. 
Please call me by my true names so I can wake up and the door of my heart can be left open, the door of compassion. Please call me by my true names so I can hear all my cries and laughter at once. So I can see that my joy and pain are one. Please call me by my true names so I can wake up and the door of my heart can be left open, the door of compassion. Within a culture of ease, we can hear our true names spoken by a familiar voice. And we tap into the ease when we create, the ease that's created when we hear and share with one another. And so let us take note of what we hear, when what we hear brings us home to that familiar and loving care of God. As we are led in and out of spaces, of community, of times, of safety and times of uncertainty or danger, may our hearts be open. And as we continue to become known to one another in this space, finding our people here, may we also grow with an ease that allows us to hear the familiar in those we encounter every day. In this world that can be isolating and disorienting, May we continue to find our people and live into the kingdom. May it be so. Will you pray with me?